0: So welcome to a slice of orange on North Orange County politics. Uh, I'm Joni Balma, and my guest today is Mike Moody and Dr. Mike Moody and from Chapman University, and we're talking about the 2021 Orange County Annual Survey, which is one of my favorite uh, data sources to find out what's going on around. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Professor Balma. Really a pleasure to be here, and uh, uh, nice to uh, be here. Uh, wish it could be face to face, but uh, I we'll take- know.
0: But so, tell us. Um, I know the full report is coming, but um, tell us what uh, what surprised you. What was expected? Um, you know, tell us what Orange County is thinking.
1: Sure. Uh, I uh, I've been co-directing this survey since 2010. So before uh, I, I do this with my close friend and colleague at Chapman, Dr. Fred Smoller, uh, longtime political scientist in Orange County. And uh, we were inspired to do this by the good work that was done at UC Irvine during the 80s and 90s and early 2000s by a professor named Mark Baldessari, who's now with the Public Policy Institute of California. But uh, we started doing these surveys in 2010, and then um, we, uh, we didn't do them for a few years, and then we received some grants to be able to do them again. So this is our fourth consecutive year of doing the Orange County Annual Survey. And one thing that we found when we started doing these again about three or four years ago, is we were we were surprised by how much Orange County had changed from even from 2010 uh, to right. recent years. And Fred and I were looking at the data, and we said uh, this was back in um, uh, in uh, 20, 2018, just you know six seven months before the midterm elections. And we said we said, "Wow, with these congressional elections coming up in Orange County." Uh, Orange County has shifted dramatically. This for many, many years was this conservative stronghold. Right. If you look at registration numbers going back to the early 1990s, Republicans once had roughly a 22 point uh, registration advantage in the in the county. And we we looked at the data and we said Orange County has really, really shifted dramatically in, in terms of county residents views toward a lot of, of different topics. So this year, with our survey, what we did is uh, each year we change um, a chunk of the questions and we focus questions on a different public policy issue. So last uh, last year we focused a good number of questions on climate change, right? Or on transportation. The year before on housing and homelessness. This year we asked county residents' views on COVID and on uh, its right. response to COVID. And what we found, Professor Obama is we found that uh, while in OC, uh, there certainly is a vocal board of supervisors that if, if you look at their rhetoric and, and you look at where they stood, especially going back a year ago, uh, if you look at Michelle Steele, who's now in Congress, she was the chair of the board and Don Wagner and others, uh, there was um, some pushback around some of these precautions. Absolutely. Uh, to COVID. Uh, you know, and and the and sheriff. Yeah, the sheriff as well, the sheriff as well. And uh, there was this pushback and and there was this movement where, you know, Michelle Steele made some unusual comments about uh, mask wearing and Wagner was kind of this face of taking on the governor uh, and and part of this um, group in Orange County saying that the governor is imposing too many restrictions. But what we found, in my opinion, the most interesting finding is that Orange County uh, tends to be actually more moderate and, and there's actually this sort of moderate, reasonable, silent majority that exists. And we found that, yes, there actually is support for a mask mandate in Orange County. Uh, we found you know a lot of data that, uh, that is is backing up uh, the fact that um, that you know while there is this sort of vocal uh, political uh, group that is being noisy about this, uh, there's actually a majority of county residents who believe in masks, who believe that, um, you know, perhaps government should be doing a little bit more, who maybe doesn't quite have this strong faith in the Board of Supervisors and others. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's what we call, uh, in, in essence, this sort of um, this reasonable or this moderate silent majority that exists. We also found that Orange County, you know, which was once the home of um, of uh, uh, Richard Nixon, Richard Nixon as Western White House here, and was born here, and this is an area that has a lot of conservative ties going back to being a hotbed for the John Birch Society and the movement. Uh, We found that um, hey, Orange County today, there's there's support for the Black Lives Matter movement. Hmm. You know, sixty two percent of county residents support Black Lives Matter. Uh, We uh, Donald Trump is unpopular. Uh, that right. there, aren't, there aren't a majority of county residents who believe that the recent presidential election was conducted uh, unfairly. However, all that being said, there is a major, major partisan divide when we divide the results by party. Yeah. Uh, almost all of these issues. Uh, it's it's a dramatic, dramatic divide. Mm-hmm. However, independents, those who, who uh, state that they are of no party preference, tend to side with uh, with Democrats on most of these issues, right? That's why Orange County,
0: and and there's so much to, that, that that I want to follow up on, and and one is, um, I want to start with this idea of the reasonable majority that is silent, and and I think that they are not heard, um, and and you know I've 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 already quoted uh, your colleague from the Orange County Register in in talking to people that that elected officials pay too much attention to noisy people. Those loud voices and and the people who are reasonable don't have a reason to shout.
1: Right, it's true. That's true. And I would even argue that if you look, uh, for example, at local politics in Orange County, if you look at central committees, for example, central committee of each party, you tend to bring out uh, people who maybe have, uh, you know, maybe very very strong views. Right. Um, and and but the county itself though uh, tends to be more more moderate than its right. reputation.
0: And and did you capture that, um, you know, in 2016 when, I mean, we were sort of shocked that, that Biden carried the Orange County in the presidential election? And clearly now we can see that as a foreshadowing of the 2018 blue wave. Um, and, and so did you capture that? Did Were you not surprised?
1: We did capture that. And the reason is, is that a couple of reasons. Number one, registration numbers in the county um, have uh, changed rapidly uh, over 20 years. Well, maybe that's not rapidly, but they've changed substantially over over a period of time. And uh, what we um, the reason why the big driver that we've seen uh, is, has been the Trump factor in 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 many many regards. So. I always kind of put it this way, and, you know, maybe you have a, a different perspective, professor, but I always kind of put it that, you know, Orange County Republicans tend to be kind of polite, fiscal conservative, Mitt Romney Republicans. And um, Trump, even though Trump had a high approval rating among Republicans in OC, it was about a 75, 80% approval rating among Republicans. If you look at the data with the UCI surveys, you know, George W. Bush, he had an approval rating in the in the 90 Right. Uh, Oh,
0: I mean, just, I mean, Ronald Reagan, right? I, I, I tease my husband and his friends who grew up here. Uh, you know, I transplanted to the Orange Curtain of Republicanism in the late 80s. But I tease them that I'm pretty sure they were more likely to have a poster of Ronald Reagan than Farrah Fawcett.
1: Absolutely. You
0: know? so, so it really is that old Republican Party that doesn't seem to exist.
1: Right. Currently. And, and going there, even views on climate change, when we were doing our survey in 2010, the debate then was whether climate change was even real. That right. debate is over. There is, even among Republicans, Smoller and I uh, coined the term the eco-Republican. Mm-hmm. You know, the, person, the Republican who hates the Department of Energy and hates the EPA, but they like living near the coast and they like right. the quality of life and, and the natural beauty of, right. of the county and living in a coastal area. Right. So it's, um and, and, and. People haven't changed. I, I tell people that um, my dad, who's a Republican, who watches Fox News, you know, he's not all of a sudden calling for a carbon tax. It's that yeah, Orange sure. County, our demographics have changed, sure. and the change is being driven really by by the, the younger families and demographics, and also by our culturally diverse communities in the counties. Right, as
0: well. right. And, and I want to dive a little into these NPPs, this no po- political party, these right. independents um, in Orange County. I know a lot of recent NPPs who are former Republicans and who would embody that quote of, I didn't leave the Republican party, the Republican party left me and they are never going to be Democrats, but do they vote that way? Is that what we're seeing? Or because we have these election laws that allow you to vote in the primary anyway, why choose a side? Like, who are these NPPs here?
1: That's a great question. And here's my take on that. Uh, first of all, NPPs, that's a, that's a sizable number in Orange County. Uh, there's and, and in the state, it's a sizable number too. Uh, right. Even, even I, over Republican registration numbers, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, it, it dipped before and it, it's very likely because as so many Republicans resigned from the party after January 6th, Jeez. it's very likely NPPs are the largest in the state.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and um, my take on NPPs in Orange County. You know, Orange County still does have this this sort of libertarian streak, if you will, and you see that in terms of the the data from NPPs. So, for example, while Trump uh, has a, a low approval rating, so does Congress in among Orange County residents. But my take on it is this: um, Orange County has this reputation uh, to mainstream America as this uh, place where, you know, we have the real housewives of Orange County and Laguna Beach. And and
0: there
1: is a a good amount of that, but Orange County actually is pretty culturally diverse. If you look, for example, we have a a very large Vietnamese American community, a large Latinx community. uh, We have a Korean American community. So the county actually is culturally diverse. And to me um the the if you the, the profile if you will of the npp voter in orange county is the individual who yeah maybe you know maybe they they would prefer not to pay excess in taxes and and uh maybe they they don't believe uh in you know defunding the police uh or and, and they're not uh, but on the, at the same time i think some of the rhetoric that's come out of washington particularly during the last 4 years is a turnoff, off especially right. when family members and, and co-workers and friends who are, of uh, you know, from different cultures and of different perspectives. Right. Uh, and so it's it's more of kind of a um, NPPs and OC, I think, can shift over time. In recent years, looking at the data, it's the Democrats and, and the NPPs who are, you know, are, are pushing the pendulum. NPPs generally are siding with Democrats on social issues, climate right. change, et cetera, but it's more of um, the individual who, yeah, maybe you know, yeah, maybe they're not crazy about excess taxes. But at the same time, the the rhetoric of of, of perhaps of some of the extremes is a ter- is eternal, right,
0: right. right. So, um, what does that mean for this polarization? Because obviously, Republicans who are left, right. who haven't become NPP, who are loyal to the party. Will then be more extreme, right? Right. It's true. Um,
1: however, that being said, we if, if looking for example at um, at uh, Orange County's congressional districts. Okay, right. uh, You have a, you have districts such as Katie Porter's district, which represents kind of Mission Viejo up through Tustin and that region of Orange County, used to be reliably red, and and Absolutely. now she's easily winning that that election right. every, easily defeated her Republican opponent. Um, Harley Ruda in the most conservative district in Orange County um, beat Dana Werbacher and lost a very close election to Michelle Steele. And I think that the um, National Democratic Party is seeing that as a seat. They could mm-hmm. potentially. Live. But however, the National Republicans are seeing Mike Levin's district perhaps as a seat. They could. Sure. Be- sure. What I believe this will mean uh, another example, look at the at the Orange County Board of Supervisors. If Andrew Doe's district, he, he just beat Sergio Contreras, but that's a district that Doe is always going to have a hard time, you know, um, winning because they're, because of the voter registration. Right. in that. So I think what it's going to come down to is it's, and who would have ever thought also the John Morlock, the darling. Right. The establishment, right. Would lose, you know, to a, a UCI law professor. A, a right. Progressive. So it's, um, what I think we're going to see is
0: just because- I've, of, I've had to eat my words on that because I used to say like, professors don't get elected.
1: Right. We <laughs> have Porter and Dave Minn. Katie
0: Porter, Dave Men, yeah. right. Both, Elizabeth both. Warren. Yeah, both. I'm like, oh, exactly. maybe we like professors. Right. <laughs>
1: so um, what I think we'll see is, I think we're going to see, uh, particularly among Republicans who used to- you used to have this this you know walk this um, uh, uh, hard stance. We're going to have some, depending on the district. We're going to have some who are maybe going to be a little more moderate in their views, mm-hmm. uh, and we're probably going to see, as is the case, this big tent of different perspectives. That yes, yeah. yeah. that, you, you're going to have maybe that sort of um, uh, sector that's kind of in line with Marjorie Taylor Greene, and then you're going to have right. those maybe the the Rockefeller, you know, uh, right. kind of
0: types. Well, and, and I mean, in California, we have the example of Chad Mays, right. Right, Who had been elected as a Republican saw this extremism said, that's not for me. And, and I, and I don't think, um, I don't think an independent can get elected mm-hmm. without being a former Right. You know, Chad Mays has name recognition. He got elected with the support of the party. And so it's easy to then switch to NPP. But do you think that that's a path for Republicans in Orange County? Or do you still think that that Republican brand and the party machine is enough to keep people in the party? Uh, Here's the thing. The Republican Party in Orange County the numbers
1: have have dwindled uh in terms of the 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 gap between, you know, Democrats right. have 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 a voting majority. But it's still a strong party in terms of being able to to raise money. Uh this is still an area where candidates for national office and, and people running for Senate in other states still come here to raise money. Sure. Sure. Whoever the, Republican, whoever the Republicans are who run for president uh three years from now, they most certainly will all come through Orange County to raise money. Right. So the still is uh the the strong fundraising machine that exists yeah. Yeah. And here and there's still that 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 thriving business sector that exists so I think for those reasons alone you know we're we're not going to be um Berkeley you, you know we're not on pace there sure. we're an area that now more closely resembles the rest of the United States mm-hmm. as opposed to being this outlier among these these uh these you know uh coastal counties in California. Uh, you know, we're, we're now this, I don't think we'll be, we're, we're on pace to being, you know, a microcosm of, of LA, but we're, we're now a county that's, it's purple county. It's not red right. county. Right. We're going to see a, a variety. We're going to see the Don Wagners who are open, pushing for everything to reopen and, and, and John Morlock who's, you know, uh, going and um, going to a church service and without a mask and, right. and COVID. To maybe those who are perhaps you know more on the moderate
0: end, right? So that's a great segue to talk about the Orange County Board of Supervisors race sure. and the 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 loss of power in the Republican Party to control their candidates, right? Right. right. Twenty years ago, if the party had said Morlock's our guy, no one would have dared run, yeah. and it's shocking to me. That not just candidates are running, right? but that the endorsements across the board are split and the fundraising is split. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about what that reveals. Sure. And
1: and to go off of what you said, 20 years ago, there was a chair of the Republican Party, Tom Fuentes, who was a yeah. very, very polarizing figure. But one thing he did very well was uh, he got people elected. He, he got Republicans elected at all levels. Straight. Right assembly you know supervisor and these this sort of served as a farm system for moving on to to bigger office congress and and so on and um i had this conversation with my colleague uh smoller the other day where this wouldn't have happened uh, had fuentes been the chair of the republican party because he, he th- these were the types of things that he was on top of
0: threats would have been levied
1: exactly exactly so we have this situation now—a very, very interesting race, Second District, which is which is that area, you know, kind of um, Costa Mesa and and these other uh, the, the western portion of Orange County, where um, you have a, a popular establishment Republican, John Morlock, who the party has gotten behind, and then you have the mayor of Newport Beach, Kevin Muldoon, mm-hmm. and then you have the uh, mayor, former mayor of Fountain Valley, Vo. Um, so you have three Republicans all running for the seat on the democratic side, the party's gotten behind Katrina Foley, who's the, the mayor of Costa Mesa. And there's another candidate who doesn't really seem to be raising any money or, you know, just, I think more right. or less Janet Rappaport, Janet, who's just going to be kind of a name on a, on a ballot. Um, and these things who knows sure. story is there, but, um, and, and it's very, very possible that these three Republicans could actually split the vote, uh, right. which, Sure that Foley gets elected, and then you know a four-one, a, uh, a very substantial majority on the board turns into a three-two majority. Yeah. On uh, next uh, next election cycle, so it's it's a problem. And the other problem is, like you said, Vo and and um, and uh, Muldoon, they're all getting endorsements from from other supervisors. Right. It, it's, it's it very well could split the vote. Very well, can split them. And
0: of course, the sheriff's union, no fan of Morlock from right. his tenure before, is strongly opposed to it's, his his yep. campaign. So that's a factor. And and clearly, we saw the sheriff's union put their hand on on, on the scale uh, to get Wagner elected against Ashley Aiken. Which just the the sheer volume of mail nice. in in that race was overwhelming. <laughs> so. Um, Make a prediction. What do you think is going to happen? The issue is
1: that special elections tend to um, be low turnout elections. They tend to be low turnout.
0: Absolutely. How does the mail-in ballot factor in that?
1: Uh, Massively. Massively. Be a very, very large amount of mail-in ballots. As a matter of fact, I was just on the OC Register website a day or two ago. And the first thing I see is a banner ad for John Morlock. And it says, Morlock established, you know, conservative for supervisor, and then in big letters, send in your ballot. Send in your ballot. In other words, words, the campaigns know that that's what it comes down to, mail-in ballot. And look, we're in COVID too. So even if we, you know, just that, of course, will add to that, just looking at the, it's going to be massive. So so these special elections, they're low turnout, and they tend to lean, more Republicans come out for them. Right. more Democrats come out for the, the big, the big elections, the national elections. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be close. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is a just as stepping away and just looking at this as an outsider. I would say that um, I think it's very possible that that Katrina Foley could eke out a close
0: mm-hmm.
1: just because of the fact that. You know there, there there's a there's a registration advantage for Republicans, but Muldoon's going to take some of that vote away. Right. Vote going to take some of that vote away, and that's going to bring Morlock's numbers down just enough so that the person who has a party unified behind her could possibly right. eke out
0: a close line. So then, fantasy timeline for an election wonk. Mm-hmm. Do you think there would be any? Possibility of getting a ranked choice vote system, because clearly the Republicans would take this seat right. if it wasn't first past the post that you just had to win a plurality. Right. And it's very possible that we will have a supervisor who yeah. gets a, you know a a very small number of votes, right. right, compared to the other four. Right. Um. And and you know nobody ever cares about election rules until the election isn't what they want.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: And and I'm curious because you know that that's an interesting scenario based on the numbers and what you said. The Republicans should easily pick this up.
1: Right. Right. You know, it's possible. It's very possible. Um, Oftentimes, you know, big structural changes like this, they're they're difficult to to push forward. And there are some, uh, for example, I remember when um, the congressman uh, from Inland Empire, Gary Miller he won uh, a few years back uh, simply because even though the registration advantages weren't working in his favor there were multiple democrats there that right. ended the vote right. so it kind of goes that way for both parties too right. um it's it's an interesting uh, idea and and you know it, you, you never know i can dream right <laughs> Never as, as
0: long as I'm dreaming, you know. And very
1: successfully in other parts of the United States, you know, right? There, so. Right.
0: And 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 that kind of brings me to the Orange County has been a driving force behind the recall signatures. Right. What's your prediction on that? It, it's looking more and more like the signatures will will qualify. Mm-hmm. Um. And and again, the pandemic has had an effect. They would not have been able to under the the standard 150 days because of the extension that ironically the democrats wanted for some propositions setting the precedent for this expansion of of time um we may see a recall and then it's a question of the candidates what how will orange county do
1: it's a great question and um this we we believe is a pretty pretty significant finding from our uh, from our survey as it relates to the recall as it relates to the recall in Orange County, even though, again, as you as you said, Orange County has been kind of the the, you know, one of the ground zero spots for this. Recall. Noisy
0: people sign petitions. Right.
1: This recall effort. Our our um, study uh, tells us that it's 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 only about a 50 50 breakdown in terms of those who believe the governor should be recalled from office and those who don't specifically 48 percent. Of those surveyed, believe the governor should be recalled, um, and and of course, uh, 52% believe that the governor should not be recalled. So it's within the margin of error. It's roughly roughly 50. And um, uh, what um, and Politico just did a story on this uh, that that I that I just read. And Politico was basically you know laying out the fact that yes, it's likely that this will make the ballot, but by the time we get to an election, you know, it's very possible that a lot more will be open and many more will be will be vaccinated. Sure a lot of this will be behind us my takeaway as an analyst on this is that if there's not substantial support in an area like orange county i don't think that bodes well for uh this type of um, of initiative being successful in a statewide election because orange county is the type of place you know if, if you look at, at the demographics of california you know in in the rural inland counties and central california areas where you have a lot of red counties they're very small populations, right. the type of area that that people who are in favor of this movement would need to be banking on. And there's again, even though you have Don Wagner and others who are very, who are making a lot of noise, it's the sort of moderate, the moderate silent majority, right, split on this, right. So I, I I personally and the Times just wrote about this too, saying that hey, if you know you can't really get widespread support for this in OC, right, we're really not going yeah. to. I think it will, it will, there will be an election.
0: Um, right. And, and the timing, you know, what you said about the timing is absolutely crucial and it is to the Democrats advantage to delay as long as possible. Right. And then it just depends on the candidates. You know, we saw that in 2003, 135 candidates. Right. And again, I think a lot of it will depend, you know, if, if I could get Tom Hanks as governor, maybe, right. but, but I don't think he's going to run. And hopefully we've learned our lesson that perhaps experience helps in these positions, yeah. but it, yeah, it's hard to predict without knowing what the field is. True. True. And, and
1: it'll be, I think it'll be a, cause you know, it was such a circus 20 years back the last time there was a recall. right? Uh, and the other reason is it's relatively cheap to get your name on the ballot. You know, yes. it's a grand, I believe or so. Yes. Uh, so you get, you know, a lot of people. And now who- we
0: have GoFundMe.
1: Right, and now we have good A lot of people who just you know want want the publicity. Yeah, think Gary Coleman was on the ballot twenty years ago, and so Mary
0: Flint, Mary Carey, yes. right. So it um, someone I, wanted for murder in Alabama that the <laughs> DA found out because of CNN. Yeah, it was it right. was a circus.
1: It was a circus, and California being California, the land of Hollywood, and you know right. you're gonna we're, we're gonna see that again. Um, the difference is 20 years back, the, the, you had Daryl Issa, who was writing a massive, massive check. Yes. He wanted to be governor. Yes. And the deal That was cut where they said, Hey, well, look, you know, we think Schwarzenegger has a better chance of winning, but we'll help you get into Congress. Right. But the, the, the registration numbers, it's a, it's a different state today. Yeah. Yes. I think it'll, it'll, I, I think right, right now looking ahead, I think it'll be really tough.
0: And. Because Newsom, Governor Newsom, is in his first term, the very strange possibility that he could lose the recall, Mm -hmm. be replaced, Mm -hmm. win the Democratic primary, and be reelected because the election rules so strongly favor, in a traditional election, him winning.
1: Right. Exactly. That's true. Very true. Which
0: would again, as a policy wonk, at least reveal the absurdity of the recall rules. Right. Right. You know, so, so let's come back to Orange County um, and, and get to one of my questions, which is why don't more people pay attention to local politics? You know, we have, you know, Michelle Steele talking about, was it species discrimination because dogs don't have to wear masks and the the sheriff just investigation after investigation after investigation our DA, which we can't seem to get a DA that stays out of the papers for scandals going all the way back to when as as long as I can remember. And no one seems to care.
1: Um couple couple reasons. Couple reasons. I would um, there's this um there's there are some in the United States who argue that. Mainstream media has uh, has a bias, right? There there's some who argue there's this ideological bias in in mainstream sure. media, and um, I do believe there's a bias, but the bias is toward national right, uh, and and as opposed to local government. And you know, I, I think about neighbors and people I know who are very very you know in um, in the know on what's going on with Washington, and they have strong opinions about Trump or Biden or. or yeah. But they they probably could not name who their supervisor is right. in, in in their district. They probably couldn't name the mayor of the city that they live in. Right. So it's um, cu- a couple of reasons why. Um, number one, I think that um, a lot of this has to do with sort of the the perils or the challenges that our news industry is facing. Yes. For example, the Register, which for the other day I picked up a, a hard copy for the first time in a long time and. I mean, it's hardly anything. It's more like a regional paper now. Yeah. Riverside and Long Beach News, because it's like a conglomerate there. So there's the, the, and then also we're unfortunately in OC, we're kind of an, a, a news island here. Uh, right. Because we on the evening news or we turn on KABC or or uh, CBS or Fox 11. Uh, right. even, you know, we don't have our own independent, uh, you know, me- media news channel. Right it's, it's a lot of it is LA news, right. but we do, you know, and unless there's controversy, usually if there's any local news, it's on the shenanigans of the LA board of supervisors sure. or what the phone is doing and others. So it, um, and you know, maybe at the end of the day too, it's just, it's the national news that gets the viewers and gets the headlines and it's the right.
0: And it's hard work. It's, it's boring right. to go to city council meetings. And if, you know, if your city is, operating functionally it's really boring to follow. Right.
1: Right. Exactly. So
0: I I understand and and it's tough to follow, you know, 34 different cities. Um, so I yeah, I understand the challenges but I feel like um you know, I I I'm screaming and yelling you got to pay attention to local politics and then something happens like the Orange County Board of Supervisors goes viral because of the public comments um or the Orange County Board of Education and I'm like you know, people are saying we should recall, we should recall. And I'm like, we just elected them in March. I was telling you to pay attention to the ballots. And, you know, then we have buyer's remorse or voter's remorse.
1: Right. Or even that, you know, one thing I tell my students is that, uh, for example, your waterboard. Okay. <gasps> very, nobody goes to waterboard meetings and and it's basically unchecked power oftentimes. Right. Water bill, it's, it's one of the cheaper bills that you have to pay each month. You pay the bill, but um, it's, it's very possible there's so much corruption that's taking place among right. these districts.
0: Well, and, and even, even the people who campaign for waterboard, I'm always immediately suspicious of who is donating to a waterboard election. They I mean, must, it must be Poseidon. It must be someone with an agenda because otherwise, unless it's your friends or family pitying you to donate, Yep. Almost no one knows there is a waterboard, let alone knows who the candidates are, let alone has an opinion on who it should be.
1: It costs a lot of money to do slate mailers and, you know, postcards and right, lines and it comes from somewhere. That's that's a really good
0: Absolutely. point. Absolutely. So co- coming back to this annual survey, did did you did you dive into questions about um about trust in in, in elections, in integrity. we are so incredibly blessed in Orange County to have Neil Kelly as our registrar of voters um you know, I hope people understand how incredibly um safe and fair and protected our election, elections are. but what did you find?
1: You know that's a great question. um our our question was was primarily around, uh, the idea of Trump and whether the election was conducted. Of
0: course, of course.
1: And the vast majority, nearly 70 percent believe that uh, that it was. But, you know, Professor Obama, that's a that's a great question we need to include next year, because that's a really good point. We do have almost this model registrar in the county. Uh, that, I hate
0: for the rest of the country to find out how incredible he is because I don't want him to be stolen. Exactly. But, uh, you know, I would love to have, you know, Stacey Abrams and Neil Kelly in, in charge of the entire election nationwide.
1: Certainly. Yeah, Neil Kelly is the best of the best. And, yeah. you know, just works quietly and has a has a phenomenal operation uh, that, he's, that he's running. And,
0: and believes in those values that we as Americans should all hold dear. That which is... You know, true ballot access, right? And doing everything possible to instill trust in the process and be completely transparent.
1: Yep, true. That's true. So yeah,
0: I'm wondering if that will be reflected. So before we get to the end, I do want to talk a little bit because I'm fascinated by Mm -hmm. your three problems. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, comparison. And last year you compared 2000, 2010, 2020, and it was interesting. How it really does kind of reflect the overall problems that we see, and that that crime and gangs has really been reduced. And you know we have empty beds in our juvenile justice system now, but in 2000 that was prevalent. And 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 last year you found homelessness and housing affordability, tra- traffic transportation, and poverty. Are those still? I mean, clearly the pandemic has. Revealed and and highlighted those problems, but but what did you find in this year's survey?
1: Great question. Uh, if you look at the UC Irvine studies from the going back to the 1990s, and right, and we, we basically asked a very similar question in terms of what are the you know what's the biggest problem facing Orange County today, and then we brought it down and to the top three. And back uh, in the um, in the 90s, the it was uh, it was uh, um, uh, the El Toro Airport. Oh, if, you know, of course! You no, know, you know what? Of are we in horse commissioned to El Toro Airport, and this is when there was the big debate: Are we going to make it an international airport or a great park? Right? Uh, crime was more of a of an issue back in the '80s and '90s than it is today. I wonder if, in part, it's because of the whole idea of of news and how sensationalized it was. It still is, but you know, around serial killers and and all these sure. other things at the time. But um, what we find is that um, in, in our in our studies in recent years, Orange County residents like living here. The quality of life is good. Right. But housing and uh, housing affordability year after year is one of the major problems that exist. And then this year, of course, what made the top three is the pandemic. Of
0: uh, course. So
1: it, of
0: course. The,
1: the big one year after year that we're seeing, traffic and transportation is also a, a big one usually. But um, housing affordability and this whole idea—even right now, if you look at the real estate market in Orange County, houses are um, are being sold quickly. And I don't—the one fear that I have is for those who are in college now in Orange County. It's just—it's almost becoming unlivable. I uh, know. Who are young? I don't know how people who are twenty today are going to be able to afford a home. You know, when they're 30. their
0: third. And I'm wondering if a lot of your respondents have kids in those positions. And and it becomes very personal when your grandchildren leave the state.
1: Exactly, exactly, that's true. Less
0: concerned about your kids leaving and more like, wait, I want those grandkids right here. The way, you know, we have in Brea, so many people who are second and third and fourth generation Brea. And now they are looking at that no longer being affordable um, unless it is passed on from the family. And we see lots of those intergenerational yeah. Exchanges. Right. Right. So interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So so what's next? Um, oh, I wait. Um, I, I don't know if you captured this, but clearly the incredible rise of anti-Asian racism right. hits Orange County, and we're seeing that violence. And clearly we have as you as you talked about, you know, these these large these large gr- groups of right. Vietnamese and Chinese and Koreans throughout our county. Right. Um, you know, speak a little bit about that, even if your survey didn't capture it.
1: Great. Uh, you know, I mean, the issue is not great, but it's, a, it's a great point. The, um, uh, professor Balma when we first did our survey in 2010, there was, there was actually the sediment because remember the economy was much worse. in of in, course, the great recession. There was this feeling that, um, that uh, immigrants to the United States were were taking jobs and yes. taking more than they were they were giving back yeah. into the U.S. economy, and that shifted when we started doing these surveys again during the last four years, where there, there was actually support for DACA and there was support, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 we were finding a county that was much more accepting of cultural diversity. We didn't ask some of those questions this year, but I would go back and I would um, I would likely uh, go back to. What we're seeing with the with the other data, my hunch is that um, I think that this is something that um, would certainly upset a vast, vast majority of county residents. And again, you're getting this um, really rotten, you know, uh, fr- fringe group of uh, people right. who are doing these things. This is happening in, in the in the town right next to mine, uh, down here in South County, where there's this poor family who just moved in, and there's this group of um, hoodlums, you know, these teenagers. Who are you know just terrorizing this family? Yes.
0: Talk to them yes.
1: And, call and calling them by these by these different slurs, and they actually have a group of neighbors who are taking turns sitting outside of their of their home. Right. Uh, that gives me hope. You know the fact that yes, right. You
0: know, I, I I have been really comforted by that, inspired by right. that act of solidarity.
1: Exactly. It's even in a in a you know a pretty red area such as, you sure. just shows. Sure. You know, there's still generally goodness will prevail, and
0: right. you know. and and I mean, really, the Republican Party of Orange County. The you know what was it 2014? The the only non-incumbent uh, Republicans to get elected were Asian women. Cool. It was you know Lisa Bartlett and Michelle Steele and Ling Ling Chang and Young Kim and and really a, a a a strong showing of Asian support among voters and candidates. Right. And so, in, yeah. uh, the
1: most recent election did a very good job with outreach uh, mm-hmm. in Little Saigon and in uh, and, and other areas. And uh, from both parties, you had, you know, the, the um, you know, Asian-American kind of political capital and a lot right. of people, Asian-Americans elected into office. So. Right.
0: Yeah. And, and, and so I'm hoping we can really highlight and bring awareness to that. And you know, encourage everyone to to really stand in solidarity against um, these hate crimes. And our Orange County Human Relations does a great job—an agency that tracks it, um, and and they're doing fine work and and reporting the hate crimes, so we have the data. Yeah, yeah. So, so before I let you go, um, I, I have to ask my end of the show questions. But is there anything else you want to add? What haven't we What haven't we talked about?
1: If I if I may just um, uh, share with uh, with the audience, we're going to hold our annual public policy conference at uh, Chapman April seventh. Uh, it will be virtual this year. It's free to attend. Uh, the topic this year is tackling climate change. So, oh, it's great standard climate change conference that students are used to. It's specifically at the local government level. How local municipalities are tackling climate change. It's um, it's all day. We have four sessions, a phenomenal slate of speakers, and you can register. It's free uh, to attend April seventh via Zoom. Uh, if you Google uh, Chapman Public Policy Conference, it okay. uh, the first the first link uh, that comes up. And um, I hope um, I hope you're listening. That's amazing.
0: I I do love you know all of these virtual conferences where I don't have to leave my home. And I don't have to worry about parking and traffic. Um, that is a, a highlight of being able to, to attend and, and have these kinds of experience and exchange ideas. So I appreciate you um, including that and publicizing that. And I, I hope you get a great attendance because I think it is so crucial um, that, that we really concentrate on local politics and local government's response. Absolutely. Yes. And, and are you seeing a lot of cities, you know, really take this on and understand how crucial it is? You know, when, when I was watching the blizzard in Texas, I was really worried because I, I do not have a coat. In Southern California, if the blizzard hits here next, if po- the polar v- vortex, I am personally not prepared. I am prepared for earthquakes. I am not prepared for snow.
1: Same here. Same here. Uh, part of it, I think, is the just the complexity of, um, of government's responses to right. the coast. Uh, for example, in Newport Beach and Balboa Island, you know, you've had, um, it's been a city council issue. And a city issue, city manager issue of how to deal with the seawall and even the whole process of raising Belbo Island in the next 30 years to deal with flooding. And so, and then you have coastal erosion that's taking place in Capistrano Beach, where that's a a county issue, OC Parks. Then you have the state, powerful state coastal commission. So, um, part of it is just this whole complicated. Uh, bureaucracy yes.
0: exists. The complexity of the bureaucracy and communication, right? right. Yeah. and cool. then the fires. We always have the fires. Exactly. Exactly. And the threat of fires. And okay. and so yeah. Good. Well, I'm excited, and I, and my students are going to be really excited that you know they're very um, concerned about climate change, obviously, and sustainability efforts. Uh, right. And and really looking for those answers, so I'm excited that they'll be able to attend. Right. So uh, I I can't believe our time is coming to an end. I really enjoyed this. Um, I love sitting down and talking to people about these things, and so this has been fun. So what's the best advice you've ever gotten? Uh, best advice I've ever gotten. I um, maybe
1: some of your students can can uh, relate to this. I, I know some of mine uh, can. I uh, I did not go the uh, traditional route, you know, I kind of was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with myself during my early 20s. And I didn't go that route where I was 18 and earned my degree in four years. I was a community college student at Saddleback and um, uh, t- took a little extra time out there, kind of, you know, having a little fun and figuring out what I what I wanted to do. But uh, really, it was just, uh, I was lucky that I had a dad who uh you know my mom didn't graduate high school mm-hmm. and my dad was the first person in the family to graduate from college I was the second but they really kind of consistently stressed uh, the importance of education and I I just stress that to my students I tell my students that I admire anybody who is uh, is is working hard toward earning a bachelor's degree if it were easy everybody would have one but when you're yes. in that degree, you're going to be, you know, roughly 33% of the country uh, who has a degree. And then if you go on for your master's, you'll be in that kind of top 10 percentile. Right, right. Um, uh, the, the greatest uh, value. And you're a
0: fellow Titan, right? Cal State Fullerton, yeah. little shout out.
1: Yes, shout out to Kelsey Fullerton. But just um, uh, keep going. Yeah, This is a, to those students yeah. who are, this is a really tough time. It's tough on all of us. A lot of students are facing challenges, you know, maybe families have economic challenges. Some students may have had family members who have, um, you know, passed away or had serious challenges. But I cannot stress enough uh, the uh, importance. Just keep going. Keep going. Yeah. It's glorious uh, when no one can take it from you. I,
0: I actually just shared that clip from uh, the great movie, A League of Their Own, where Tom Hanks says, if it was easy, everyone would do it. The hard is what makes it great. Sure. And true. it doesn't feel that way in the middle of it. Right, But, um, yeah, I tell them, someday you'll be nostalgic and, and you'll bore your children and grandchildren with how how incredibly tough this year was. Exactly. But the lessons that you learn about yourself um, right. are invaluable. Um, and make you who you are so yeah thank you so what's a book you you, you like to recommend to people
1: i um uh, i read a lot of books uh right now i'm almost done with woodward's latest book um mm-hmm. and, and it's an excellent book i i, I really admire About the him.
0: trump administration yeah
1: right and uh, i liked woodward's book uh he i read a i read woodward's previous book on trump and then his book obama's wars all of it, everything woodward does is from yeah. I read a lot I read um, next I'm reading my friend Jeff Perlman's book on the on the uh, Shaq Kobe Lakers uh, oh, Jeff right. yeah Jeff's written a lot of New York Times bestsellers and I look forward to diving into Tell that him
0: our family enjoyed that
1: nice okay we will do and uh, the one book though that uh, in recent years I think particularly for students that I found absolutely riveting is a book by a historian by the name of Linda Gordon. And it came out in 2017, and it's called "The Second Coming of the KKK." So, if you look at the Ku Klux Klan in the United States, uh, in its original initial iteration, it was this is kind of the, it was the terrorist movement that right. was taking place. But the KKK in the 1920s was more of a political movement and a social movement, and it was much more powerful. Yes. And it shows you really the roots of this uh, throughout the United States. Even and, and and unfortunately, even Anaheim has appearances in in the book. Um, it was considered this model clam city right. back in the 20s um oregon was just you know uh the the their legislature was infiltrated with uh th- these horrible individuals but it just shows you the danger of of ideologies and these movements and it's right. it's a Linda Gordon is a brilliant, brilliant historian, and I couldn't put it down. It was, it was a phenomenal- fam- I'm
0: going to pick that up. Yeah, especially the Orange County Connection, because I think what they were so successful doing, and Gustavo Ariana you know, covers this in, in Osea, Personal History, another mm-hmm. book that I really recommend, um, b- because they they were able to get so many people elected to local government. Local government. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, fascinating. Somehow I skipped that, so I'm excited to- put that on my list. So, is there a hopeful message you can share with my students and my listeners? I know you've already kind of shared some throughout.
1: Sure. I just, a um, couple things. I think that it's uh, one thing that I wish I would have done uh, is is you have to be bold. So, especially if, if, if you're young, uh, take some chances. Take some chances mm-hmm. when, when you're young. And the other thing, too, is that so many students, especially at in community college, I was there too. You drive in, or you take the bus or you walk and you go to class and then class is over and you leave. But there are so many things that you need to take advantage of when COVID's over. Of course, I mean, just on campus in terms of get to know professors, uh, get involved in different groups. There are a lot of resources that are there and you're only, um, you're only really taking advantage of a small part. If you're just going there to get your units and eventually transfer out. And in terms of a hopeful message, just, uh, you know, of course, um, the light's at the end of the tunnel. We're going to get through this. But we just need to be safe, be careful, and, right. and not, uh, not start having fun too soon. You know, not start right. these restrictions too soon.
0: Right. We're almost there.
1: And, yeah. and um,
0: my, my marathon running friends say, you know, you don't celebrate at mile 25.
1: Right. You don't celebrate at mile 25. Yep. And that's, a you know, we're getting there. We're getting
0: there. Yeah. And and I hope we're at mile 25. I was super excited that they didn't say mile 13. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think it's really, really important. And I and I hope Orange County continues to, to do that. Um, because I, you know, some of these other states are really concerning me. Exactly. So so finally, who should we talk to next? That's a great
1: question. Um uh somebody I admire a lot in Orange County is uh the editor of Voice of OC, Norberto Santana.
0: I don't know, have you had him on before? I haven't had him yet, but I just booked him as a guest speaker uh, just yesterday to come to my class. Um, yeah, so he's amazing. And uh, I, I hope I'm not going to steal one of his quotes that really resonated with me, that he spoke of his father in Cuba talking about the importance of local politics And he said, it's the local electeds who let the tanks down your streets. It's true. true. Oh, my gosh.
1: It's true. And and Norberto's a firecracker. And he basically grew this nonprofit news agency from nothing uh, into really, I would argue, the the source that's kind of keeping things together right now. I mean, it's your dogged reporter's. That worked for Voice of OC. Incredible work. Shining a light on uh, government shenanigans. And and Roberto is
0: and And it is my go-to for students doing research on community problems. You know, they have covered human trafficking. They have covered homelessness to a degree with specificity about our community that just no one else is covering. Yep. You know, and, and the Orange County Register is doing good work. But as you've said, you know, it just is so thin compared to what it used to be. And, you know, I, I don't remember the editor who it, it seemed like was destroying it from within for the tax write-off, you know, that, that came in and just did everything. You could write a handbook on how to destroy a newspaper. Exactly.
1: Yeah, that was the Kushner regime who came in. Yeah. Oh, no, we don't want to... Um, you know, uh, hold power accountable. You know, we just, I forget exactly what, what he said.
0: Fired the local columnist that made reading the paper so much fun. Yeah. Everything I loved about the orange County register and, you know, and, and then the delivery debacle where, you know, I was like, will you deliver the paper I ordered? (laughs) So, well, thank you so much. Yeah, I definitely want to have the Voice of OC on. They do incredible work. And, and for anybody, you know, with an extra 20 bucks, go donate to them to keep local media. um, Because I know what I know by reading them. Um, I can't cover all 34 cities. Uh, You know, I, I have my hands full just covering, you know, the city I work in and the city I live in. So, Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, check out the annual survey. Go to Chapman University uh, and find out about the climate conference. I'm excited about that. And uh, I just can't wait to have you back when we can talk more. Looking forward to it anytime.